Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to All Stats Aren't We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on at Elland Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Darren Driver and I'm joined today by Josh Hobbs and Adam Elliot. Adam, how are you doing, brother? How are you feeling about football at the moment? In fact, I think the, we're recording this just after the Brentford game, right? So the thing that you're referring to there is that you're delighted that Leeds United oh, are beaten no. 5-2 by, by Brentford. So yeah, how do you reflect on the weekend's game? Because we didn't get a chance to uh, record a review, so I'm going to put you through that torture right now. If anything, I'm happy that Diego Llorente is now probably going to be dropped, right? Mm. Um, that's probably the only good thing that came out of that game. But otherwise, I mean, was it a 5-2 game, really? Probably not. We weren't great, and I think they deserved to win, but we probably didn't deserve to get battered in the way that we did. Either, um, and at the end of the day, the referee was quite poor, but it was still a below-par performance. And mm. um, yeah, at the moment, we're, we're not doing great, are we? Three games on paper that didn't look too bad and we've got one point out of them so we need to yeah, rectify we, that with we, we really do when, whenever that should happen um <laughs> Hobbsy, um reflect ref, reflect on the brentford game because I, I i always enjoy when you do a rewatch that you put your commentary direct into the all stats group chat so i kind of got a handle on the sort of things you might say but what did you make of adam's comments just now that it wasn't a, a 5-2 game because adam i don't know if you saw the scoreline at the end of the game mate but it was definitely 5-2 yeah um i mean i mean that's what i would say it wasn't a 5-2 game um we were not very good in the first half um but the i mean it's a really strange thing because before they scored like uh, i was thinking to myself like leeds look pretty on top although not actually really creating anything it's just we just had a lot of pressure Mm -hmm. Uh, on them and I thought our rest defense looked good so we were winning the ball um like back on halfway quite a lot and our center backs at apart from those first couple of minutes where both Urente and Koch both like got pressed and kicked the ball straight to one of their players I thought that they sort of started all right 
Mm. Um, and then suddenly they then started getting behind us quite a lot, um, hitting Tony, getting balls in behind our centre-backs. They got pressure on us a bit and then they get that throw in and, and win the, the penalty. And then I think we're kind of chasing the game ever since after, after that. And they're a good team in that aspect mm. where they're able to... Um, yeah, go direct and exploit the gaps because even when we then did sort of throw the kitchen sink at them and start to get create some chances, they were always looking like they would create enough big ones the other end mm. uh, to to score more. And d- despite all the play that we had, all, all the really big chances in the game, bar the Pat and Rocker chances, which are only about a minute before we score our second goal anyway, um, all the big chances went to them, and I guess that's worrying signs, isn't it? Because if, if, if it, although you know we were on top and we had possession in that first portion of the game, I always felt Brentford were comfortable. Um, I, I didn't really feel like we were causing them any problems, and then, and then, yeah, we, we and then it was we were getting to the edge of their box, and then it was just sort of they were just absorbing it. Yeah, there was only that um, Gelhart shot where he kind of like takes a snap outside of the foot shot just inside that I don't know if it was on the turn but on it was like turn. it got dinked to yeah. him and then he he sort of like jumps and shoots outside the foot it actually was very close was. to going in um but that's like our best chance to speak of in the first half and you wouldn't necessarily call it a great chance any any team that's going to be really good at soaking us up and hitting us in transition is going to cause us a lot of problems. I think that's a kind of definite blueprint for how to beat us is to do. I would to do I would did. say that Brentford are particularly good at that. They are in that they they are very well organised and they had the perfect outlet in Tony mm. and he also had a like in, had an incredible game. Mm, he did because um, they have they had him in terms of like being able to hold the ball up, compete with our centre-backs, just give them a nightmare. Yeah. And then you have two runners in Lewis Potter and, and Mbomo who who are able to stretch it. And you've just got a bit of a... It, you've got a nightmare for a defence like ours to deal with when we're trying to push forwards. Definitely. Anyway, we're not here to talk about Brentford 5-2. No, no. Um, Stop it. But I just wanted to put Adam off where he was wanting to go. Um, so I thought of this on the flight, which was excellent <laughs> improvisation on my part, I feel. Um, so this is our annual state of the squad address and uh, annual uh, our chance for us to look at how things are looking in the Leeds United squad um, now that we've now that the transfer window is closed and we've got a, a better idea uh, of, of what's been done. So we're going to start with the outgoings. So the outgoings this uh this summer were Rafinha to Barcelona, uh, Calvin Phillips to Man City, uh, and those were permanent signings. Leif Davis was also a permanent signing to Ipswich for just over a million pounds. Kiko Casilla and Lawrence de Bock, we finally managed to get those two off the wage bill. Both went on free transfers. Liam McCarron went to Stoke City, and then there were a number of loan transfers, so Dan James to Fulham, Tyler Roberts to QPR, Helder Costa to Ellie to Hag Club, Charlie Cresswell to Millwall, Jamie Shackleton to Millwall, uh, Ian Perveda to Blackpool, and Matthias Burgess back to Ibiza. So, um, Calvin Phillips, Rafinha and James are the big outgoings and the more notable outgoings there. Um, is this goodbye to um, James Hobbsy, or is there a way back for him? Um, 
I don't know how much he will want to come back mm-hmm. after everything that's happened. Uh, I, it's obviously, I think it sounded like we were trying for it to actually be a permanent deal in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, I.e. when we thought we were getting Hackpo, we thought, okay, sell James, get um, get Hackpo, and, and that sort of balances the books or, or gets it somewhere close. Um, then the Hackpo deal wasn't happening, and James, we still made uh, made happen with Fulham even before everything else fell fell through with um, with Dieng. And I think that Fulham kind of changed it from mm. uh, from a permanent to a loan, and it sounds like with an option. So I I would my gut will be that he will go, uh, even if he doesn't end up at Fulham. I feel that he probably won't be happy to come back. Hmm. And it's, you know, sounds like the club are ready to move on from him. They still want to get Hackpo, even though I'm not convinced that they will. Adam, how early in Dan James' time at Leeds were you ready to move on from him? <laughs> <laughs> you really are asking the horrible questions today, there, Darren. Um, I'll be honest, yeah, I, I don't rate him as a footballer and I think most people on this podcast don't either. Uh, so I'm not really that sad to see him go. I, I felt like he broke a lot of our attacks. So it's not really a huge issue for me personally. Uh, it does sound like now we've kind of burned bridges a little bit, even though Marsh has made some comments in the last week or so, basically clarifying that he he wouldn't mind seeing James back at the club next summer. Um but yeah, it doesn't feel like that's likely. I agree with Hobbs. He probably will get a move somewhere next summer, whether that's another loan or a permanent move away. What remains to be seen, Fulham or whoever, but I don't think he'll be here. So I'm, I'm pretty yeah, happy to and, see and, the back of him. And you know, back in the days when we finished mid-table in the Championship every year, I used to say, all I want to see is a, is a, is a team that tries hard and players that work hard. And it turns out I want more than that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the rest feels a bit like a squad tidy up to me. What about you, Adam? Yeah, um, because there's been more outs than ins, hasn't there? Um, It's just been a good trimming of sort of the fat of the squad and the excess players. Um, There's still a few players I would have got rid of, to be honest. There's there's people like Alfie McCalmont who are still knocking about um, and he shouldn't really be playing 21s or 23s football, whatever you want to call it. At his age, he really should be going out and playing games. So there's probably a few more we would have liked to have done, but we didn't quite manage to do. Uh, But in general, it's been a really good tidy. It probably got the wage bill down a little bit, probably just made the squad a bit leaner. Whilst also bringing I the floor, we seem to have like increase the number of usable players and got rid of those that we had no intention of using. Would probably be how I'd read it. So, uh, Hobbsy, we've finally raised some decent money on outgoing transfers, um, in primarily from the uh, Rafinha and Calvin Phillips sales, and and there are, I guess there are questions about the fees for those, but I think we've spoken about that already. But um, a lot of people I've seen are unhappy with the net spend. Where do you fall on this debate? Um, I'm not bothered about net spend. Or anything like that. I'm I'm bothered about how it's spent. Yeah. Um. So, I generally think that the money that we've brought in, we've spent well uh, this summer. So I'm happy with that, and I, and I understand that our previous two summers were just incomings with no outgoings. Yeah. Um. And that obviously can't continue. Um. For the the financial health of the club and for um, financial fair play as well. So I don't mind it. I, I think I'm surprised that we weren't able to do more than we were. Um, and and I'm a bit confused. And there was obviously an article in The Athletic uh, this week about like what's going on like with Leeds' finances. I felt that didn't 
really answer the questions. I think it perhaps the answer is just we're in a bit of a um like a, a stasis, a stasis, however you say that. Mm. <laughs> like where where we need like a takeover to happen because it feels like both of our main shareholders can't quite decide on where money's coming from or, mm. or whatever. Mm. Um because it's just confusing that this idea that in order to have done another signing we needed somebody else to go. Uh, it it kind of doesn't feel like it makes sense. So yeah, but I'm not I'm not angry about it. I, I'm confused about it. But if you if you look over the the how much have we spent over the three summers in combination? It's it's a really significant sum, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was about 250 million, but then we've obviously brought in like yeah, we've bought brought in 100 million this summer. Um, yeah, it, it. I still thought that we could do like one more big signing but apparently we couldn't yep but overall both happy with the outgoings obviously yeah I, I think i think the right players went out that they needed to go out i i mean i think i understand there there are people arguing against james going i like i i really get that yeah i do um personally i feel the only thing that we will actually miss from him is his pressing mm. uh, and the fact that he's very available, um, but I don't think we, I don't think that any of the younger players are actually a step down <laughs> from him in terms of uh, actual quality. I would make more of an argument, in fact, that given everything that happened in the window, the one that I could have kept around would have actually been Roberts which <laughs> which is controversial to say I don't think that potentially would have been good for him because I think he probably needed the break uh, from Leeds given the sort of toxicity around him but it's just funny that now he's kind of the sh- the profile that our uh, squad is kind of missing a bit so I think he could have been closer to um to Bamford than anybody else we've got. Yeah, I, I, I would I would broadly agree with that. Adam, you've already said that you felt there were a, a couple more could have gone out, but overall, are you happy with with the with the outgoings? Generally speaking, obviously, I'm I'm pretty gutted about Rafinha still, but we kind of all expected that to happen. But yeah, in terms of outgoings, I mentioned McCalmon. I would have also said maybe Clarsen, but I think the reason he's not gone on loan is partly because we want to see him push in, into that number two spot and stay there now that he's got Robles breathing down his neck, but also because of Van den Hoyvel's injury. I think if that hadn't happened, there was maybe a chance he could have got a loan and got some proper first-team minutes, which would have been a good thing for him in his career. But yeah, generally speaking, pretty pretty good. Um, now we're kind of left with a squad where, besides a couple of players, I'm pretty happy with most of it. I, I'm sort of in the, the categories of, I really like some players, I quite like some players or I'm kind of indifferent to the others there's only a couple that probably fall into the would I see the back of you tomorrow yes um now so that's quite a good thing I would say um let's move on to the incoming so Brendan Aronson uh was brought in from Salzburg uh Lewis Sinistera brought in from Feyenoord Tyler Adams was brought in from Leipzig uh, Rasmus Christensen from Salzburg uh, Mark Rocker from Bayern Munich um I st- still forget how to say this guy's name. JB. JB, thank you. Darko JB was brought in from Manchester City. Um, Wilfred Nyonto was brought in from Zurich. And Joel Robles was brought in from uh, Real Betis on a free transfer. So overall, the spend is about £99 million, So, So... Um, and we won't get too deeply into the individuals here because we'll end up repeating ourselves. But let's reflect on the general strategy for for um for bringing people in and whether we feel that the squad is overall better 
stronger, bigger, more usable, um, more functional. So Adam, you first. Yeah, so for me, the main thing this summer, the main takeaway is that the average age of the squad has come right down. Like every single outfield signing has been 25 and under. The only signing we've made over 25 is Joel Robles, who's a backup goalkeeper and probably something we needed in, in terms of experience uh, cover on, on the bench. Um, but yeah, like a lot of these players obviously being under 25 now have the room to grow, to maybe even have resale value. There's a lot of flexibility and variation in most of the players as well. So if Jesse Marsh leaves, for example, then we still have the players who could be adaptable, maybe versatile enough to play in other systems yeah. as well. And that's all really good stuff for me, Darren. Um, I do think that the squad is stronger, but in general than it was last season, even though we've lost someone as good as Rafinha, I think the floor has been raised, as I mentioned before, even if the ceiling's come down a little. And, and that is the main thing. Like We've got the average age down and we've also improved the quality of the depth in our players. We've, like you said earlier, got more usable players that we could actually play now rather than the fringe mm-hmm. players being a bunch of 21s and 23s players who are maybe not very first team ready. We've now got more of them and, and I feel a lot more comfortable with the the sort of depth in most positions besides maybe a couple now. Uh, not a lot to add to that, to be honest. Well summarised. Well done, Adam. Okay, let's move on to goalkeepers, of which we have three in and around the first team squad. So, Ilan Malier, um, Christopher Clarsen. I keep wanting to call him Chris Christofferson, uh, but that's not <laughs> his name, is it? And and finally, uh, Joel Robles, who uh, Adam has just referred to. So, um the way I look at this is we've, we've got a clear number one and two who will only ever play if there's an injury. So I guess with that in mind, how do you think Melier's doing so far this season, Hobbsy? I think he's had a good start to the season. Um, I think the Southampton game, I, I, I could argue that perhaps he could have done better um, with with even both the goals, to, to be quite honest. But he's also been fantastic uh in pretty much all the other games and i don't believe that we win the wolves game without his saves um so yeah really good start to the season and and i think he had a a tough season um last season where he was just exposed ridiculously and he has already had to deal with some big chances yeah uh this season but i would say so far he seems to have a little bit more cover i agree um but i i just expect him to um to continue as he is where he's a, a really good one-on-one uh keeper and that is where he i think he really excels um what i want to see from him this season is um his kicking to continue to improve because I think that um, there are things that I particularly noticed. I think I think it was in the Everton game. Yeah, the Everton game. Um, he he had had a few left footed. Oh no, wait. What's right, his weak right, foot? Is, is right, right foot. Yeah. This is weak. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Uh, a few right footed kicks that basically launched attacks for Everton. Yeah. Um, which was that was quite <laughs> that was quite nervy. Um, and yeah, I, I think we need him to improve his his kicking, but I trust him as a as a shot stopper in for the for the vast majority of the time. I agree. Um, with, with regards to his kicking, I I agree. He does need to improve, and I think it's more with his left foot. It's really a case of consistency that needs to improve rather than uh, anything else. But with his right foot, you're right. It's it was it was pre- pretty shocking against Everton. Um, <laughs> so Adam. 
Do you think that we've got enough in the goalkeeping ranks if Melier should break? Yeah, I do now. I really do. It's much better than it was last season. I was so worried about it. And then he got that injury against Wolves in, in like that key part of the season. We were all sort of bricking it at that point. But it was lucky that he was fine in the end. But yeah, we've got Robles, who's obviously experienced in the Premier League and La Liga. He's not played loads of games in his career for, for his age, but there's at least some actual backup there that's got some game time in the top flight under his belt. And Clarsen improved at the end of last season as well. So on that front, I actually think that goalkeepers become one of our more stocked positions now. Like uh, going forward, I am not as worried if Melier was to get an injury of say even five games. I think I'd worry if it was like 10, 15 sort of games, but I'm, I'm okay if it's the odd game now. And the main thing I think to say about goalkeepers is we finally lost the darkened cloud of Kassir from us now. And I think that's probably one of the best things to come out of this summer, but it's not really talked about. But finally, his yeah, his, know, his his dreadful goalkeeping and his <laughs> antics and and yeah, all the other stuff has gone with him. So that's obviously very positive yes. news, um, and he will not be missed. Um, okay, let's think about defenders. So we've got we've got a real number of defenders here. So I'm going to list them all um, uh, for anyone who's. Mm. Um, Needs reminding. We've got Diego Llorente. We've uh, we've got Robin Cock as centre backs. We've got Pascal Strauch and Liam Cooper as centre backs. Um, we've got Junior Firpo at left back and Leo Hjelders listed here as a left back. Although I think he's probably more comfortable as a as a centre back. And then at right back we've got Rasmus Christensen, Luke Ayling, Stuart Dallas, and Cody Drame. Um, all listed and and I, I guess the one thing I would say is that for all that we've got a lot of players in the defensive positions it doesn't feel like it's settled or balanced to me at the moment Um, and I guess I'd say that f- the fullback positions feel like an obvious area of concern to me Adam given given some of the structural issues of this system or the stru- structural choices let me let me name them choices rather than issues actually some of the structural choices in the system it does feel like fullbacks do get exposed a lot though so it does feel like an, an area of concern for me so talk to me about how you feel we're doing in the fullback area yeah I still think we lack recovery pace kind of across the defense really but yeah like you say in the fullback area it's almost even more important because they do get exposed so if they have the sort of pace to get back then that really does help mm. um it doesn't really feel like we have many of that sort of profile in the squad you'd say maybe Christensen and Drama may have some pace but there's not much beyond that especially in fullback areas so yeah that that is definitely mm-hmm. a, an area of concern but my main concern is left back because even if Dallas comes back ahead of schedule and whatever, will he actually ever be the same sort of player again? Um, and after he's broken his thigh, I've heard some stories where players don't really recover well. They sort of lose all the strength in their leg and then it becomes really difficult, especially for someone in his 30s as well. It remains to be seen whether like, he's actually going to be a, like an option for us. And if he's not, then you're relying on Junior Firpo, who last season was very injury prone and we already know sort of the issues around him beyond that as well from last season. And I don't really expect him to have, even if he stays fitter, much improvement there, maybe slightly because he can't really go much worse. But I think that's definitely an area of concern. And for me, it feels really negligent from the club again to not sign a left back. We didn't even sign one for the 21s team um, and we're still playing wingers there. And then the full, in the first team currently, we've got Pascal Strout playing in Firpo's absence, which is a centre-back. So our options there are basically... Mm wingers and centre-backs rather than an actual left-back who could challenge Firpo for his starting berth. And that, for me, feels like a big issue. Another thing I would say on that is that if you have Pascal Stroke able to play Mm -hmm. as a left centre-back, then you can take Diego Llorente out of the team and then things like Brentford don't happen. So um, that's another, it sort of fixes two issues if you sign a left-back. It sort of frees up Pascal and it also 
gives Furpo a proper option uh, behind him or even in front of him. So, yeah, that's that's where I'm definitely concerned. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Hobbs, before we move on to talk about the centre-backs, I suppose it's worth reflecting that, that um, as well as being frequently kind of exposed in maybe one-on-one situations or overloaded at full-back, they're also, in our attacking phases, they are, they are the kind of primary source of width as well. So I'm wondering how you're feeling about the, the full-backs that we've got in more attacking positions. The funny thing is, Strauch's been like pretty impressive in that regard, yeah, he has. <laughs> which is really strange. Um, he's been progressing the ball like fantastically. Like he, the the little group that we have on the left between Strauch, um, Rocker, mm. and Harrison, mm. like they they've got a really nice relationship between them. They get the ball high up a lot. Um, we're seeing Strauch like play creative passes into the box for um, for runners to to attack. He played, I think, he played a really nice one into into um, Aronson or Rocker quite early on in the first half um, against Brentford. Um, he, obviously, it's his ball that's played across the box that Bamford just got ahead of uh, for that for that big miss. Um, yeah, I think I think Strauch's been way more impressive in that. Uh, than would be expected yep. considering his um I want to say stature but I, I, that's not really what I mean like his his build he doesn't look nimble enough mm. to be able to do the attacking play that he's been doing okay he's not sort of like making loads of overlapping runs which perhaps just having that to add in there might um worry defenders a little bit more particularly um if they're defending deep um I think that's something that was really noticeable on the right side. Uh, when Ailing came on mm. uh, at the weekend, suddenly you see Leeds have got an extra runner in the box and just a little bit more width, and he created a couple of chances um, by by going on the outside. Um, and Christensen in attack, we're kind of not really seeing very much at the moment, which is um, which is difficult. And Drame, I think. I think he like in the championship he was really attacking mm. for Cardiff and I think there's a bit of nerves with him and he's kind of wanting to play it quite safe and really simplify his game mm. so he's not really running forwards yeah I agree uh let's go on to talk about center backs so Hobbsy we've got we've got a good number of center backs how, how, how what do you make of our options here and what 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 do you see as a, as the decent blend between sort of attributes and um, among the the players we've got mm, i mean i would love to see uh Cork and, and Strauch like build build a partnership mm-hmm. um that's what i would really like to see i think that we're more likely to see Cork and Cooper start a partnership and that, that sounds to to be what uh, Marsh has suggested in the uh, uh, more recent press conferences. Um, I think I'd be happy to see that. I think uh, that could be quite a nice, um, could be quite a nice partnership where I think Cooper will attack the ball quite a bit, and I think Cork has a has the pace to cover him behind. That's what I hope would happen. Um, but yeah, I think I I would be a bit concerned if we get through this season and Strauch is not getting more uh more minutes as a center back because I would start to think that we could lose him mm. because I think someone could tempt him away with we'll play you a lot at center back 
Um, and I think that he could be the long-term answer uh, in in that role. So I I hope that he he gets played more, and I think that he will because I I think we know that Cooper's going to get injuries. I just hope that when that does happen, that it's Strauch that plays at left centre back and and not Urente. Yeah, I suppose I suppose that Urente is a bit of an elephant in the room right now. So let's let's just have a bit of a talk about where we are at with him because. Um, Hobbsy, I think you've been on a bit of a journey with him. Uh, yeah, through, through I, I've your... admitted that. I've admitted that. I think initially, like I got, um, I got drawn to his early performances as a passer. Yeah. Um, and allowed that perhaps to color my picture of him uh, as like a ball playing centre back, and I kind of let go the the obvious defensive issues. Mm. Because I thought he made up for them, and he was solid enough in other aspects. Um, as time's gone on, the defensive issues have become more and more magnified. Uh, the good stuff's disappeared, and um, yeah, I think. And you could also argue that he was just getting away with stuff before, so the the goals were just not going in. So you just kind of forgive those errors um which i think is the case mm. um i know i think now he's hit that point where those errors are so often and so glaring and costing us uh goals and points so i don't believe that we uh struggle as badly as we did against everton if we don't go a goal down i think i think ultimately we will do eventually break them down and win that game that's my belief i can't prove that of course no um but i think you know going a goal down in 15 minutes against a team that came to just kill the game. Yeah. That's a nightmare. It really is. Um, it really is. So, and, and, yeah. and, and it all comes about because for some reason he's looking over the top of the East stand at the point at which the pass is played, which is just the most uh, bizarre. I, 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 I've watched it back so many times. It's He just gets like into panic mode and that he gets drawn on a run where he could rather than um, sort of assess the situation carefully and like really make the calm choice. He just starts running about like a nutter yeah. and then he's caught in a, in a funny body position. He can't react. Yeah. Adam, have a, have your say on, on Mr. Urente, uh, please. Do well, no, no, if you don't want to, you choose to say <laughs> no, anything you right. like about um, centre-backs. While so we're, while we're to me, he's probably the fourth choice um, at the club. I, if not even fifth, because I'd rather play Ailing, to be honest. Um, I just don't really want to see... He's probably the player that I now dislike the most within the lead squad, and I just think there's better options at both left and right centre-back, so I don't think he should be anywhere near it. And I mean, if I had it my way, and I, I do like some of the options at the club, I, I agree with what Hobbsy said earlier with Koch and Straug as a partnership, that would probably be something that I'd like to see blossom. But maybe next summer, if we're thinking about really like nailing down this, this style of play even more, then you kind of want the players in defence further up the pitch, in my opinion. If you want to compress the space and you want to do a counter-press effectively higher up, then you kind of need more pace in your back line. So we probably need a faster, more well-rounded left-back and we probably even do could do with at least one more fairly quick centre-back. So it's definitely something that I would be looking at next summer. Um, and he will have a year left on his deal at that point, so I probably would just sell yeah. him. Uh, I've been incredibly restrained uh, around this discussion uh, just now, so I'm going, to, I'm going to continue holding my counsel <laughs> and avoiding saying the things that are going around in my head. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Move on. Um, so let's talk about um, our midfield double pivot. So um, to me, this feels like an area where we're definitely stronger than we were last season. We've got t- Tyler Adams, Mark Rocker, Matthias Click, arguably, although I think he's probably more of an advanced option. Adam Forshaw, Darko Jarby, and Sam Greenwood would be would be the the options that Jesse Marsh seems to be um, angling towards there. So, Hobbsy, how do you see how do you see the double pivot? Uh, yeah, I. Think we'll yeah, I think we're looking nice. Um I think that the Adams Rocker partnership uh is a stronger midfield than I think we had at, at any point uh in last season or probably even the season before. I don't think we've had as good a midfield as this uh in the Premier League. Um I think with Adams you've got pretty much all the defensive work that, that Phillips did. With Rocker you've got um a better passer um, and someone that keeps us moving forwards, which is really, really important in this um, in this system. And uh, yeah, the, I don't know if people saw there. There was a graphic sort of going around Twitter the last few days um, that someone made with the highest progressive passers uh, in the league so far, and they're all um, defenders apart from Rocker, like in the top ten. Um, and yeah, he's he's been breaking lines a lot, been getting the ball to our um narrow wingers to our ten. Uh yeah, I, I, I think Rocker is absolutely fantastic and I, I'm surprised that um there are fans out there that don't quite get him. Yeah, I um, I'm, I'm, I, I'm I think he's probably the best player that that we've actually brought in i'm really really enjoying him um it was also worth noting that robin cock and pascal strauk were both on that list too isn't it is that right Hobbs, if i've remembered that correctly <laughs> uh as in oh yes they, the list, yeah, they the were list of sorry I thought, I thought you were saying mid i thought you were no, saying no, no, midfielders the, I was no saying, no oh, sorry please, I, meant the, no. I meant the list of progressive passes yes yeah, yeah cock and cock and strauk yeah, so, um, which, were both on there yeah which, uh and the other thing to say on midfielders we should probably also say that Archie Gray could sure could be someone that gets some minutes at some point in the season. Um, Jesse's obviously signified that himself. Yeah. Whether that happens, I don't know. But Adam, um, obviously going to give you a chance to say anything you want to say about the midfield. But um, if Rocket and Adams are injured, who do you see as the next best pairing? Before a ball is kicked, 
this season, I probably would have said four four and yeah. click. But as you mentioned earlier, as you as you alluded to, click's been used more advanced. And I actually do think he might be better there in this system. And now that James has left, you probably need another option in the attacking midfield spot. So possibly it's four four and Greenwood, or even four four and Jaby. Mm-hmm. Not 100% sure yet. Um, we saw in the cup that it was better when Forshaw was the one receiving from the defenders and Greenwood was, was sort of playing a little bit further forward. But it's difficult because I don't think we have a profile super like Rocker. Um, and I was going to ask you both, like, how do you actually profile Adam Forshaw within this team? Who's he the most like now? Would we say he's most like Rocker or Adams or somewhere in the middle? Like, what's his like next best role, if you know what I mean? Yeah. Is he the guy that goes and chases the ball or is he the one that progresses it? I think he's kind of in between yeah. because I, agree. I, I would even say he's not even big progressor mm. he's like a circulator yeah, of the ball um so for me i i think he can do a decent job of the defensive work of adams but not i don't think he's as much of a, a physical machine as adams yeah, i think i think he's slightly less mobile isn't he but but yeah, but, yeah, he's, he, but he's he much tight tid- much tidier yeah, and, and I think he, I think he would use the ball well. But I think if if you had him in there instead of Rocker, we wouldn't be breaking lines as as well yeah, I agree. As, as we do. I think, um, I actually think that JB ha, has some uh, potential to be that Rocker like player. Um, but we need to see a lot more of him. At the end of the day, he's playing PL two Division two, so it's it's not a level that we can say is um, is anywhere close to the level that he needs to be playing at. But I, I really do like what I see. Uh, and I think he has a, a chance to play this season. And I I'm I know that Greenwood's had some, a lot, like a decent amount of people saying, oh, he's not really a midfielder. And I would have been one of those people initially. But I think ever since Brentford, I have been impressed uh, with him playing there. And I think that they clearly like the fact that he's a nice technical two-footed player who can drill passes. So I think they're trying to make him into that player that mm. can play the passes through the lines. Um, whether or not that will happen or not uh, is remains to be seen, but I think that's what they want to achieve with him. Adam, what do you make of this uh, Greenwood yeah, in midfield? I'm growing on thing. it as well. I, I don't think he particularly like was amazing against Barnsley in the cup, but at the same time, I think there is probably potential there for him to improve in that, that regard. And I agree with the two-footed stuff. That is a really big asset for him. And he's quite nice at just like, in general, striking through the ball. So in that regard, I think, yeah, he has potential upside in that sort of role. And I agree with the Jibe stuff as well. He could almost be a more athletic version of Rocker, but it's maybe a year or two away before we're probably at that point. Mm. So for me, I'm not 100% sure what the best pairing is after um, Rocker and Adams, but I just assume that if one of them is injured, that Forshaw comes in for either of Mm. them. And you either ask him to do that sort of athletic ball winning stuff that Adams does just maybe not quite as well or to do that that passing stuff of Rocker but just obviously not quite as well there either for me he is somewhere in the middle where he's sort of a more more athletic Rocker slightly um and he's got a better turning circle you know he's got quite a tight turning circle and he's good at recycling Mm. the ball but he's not perfect in either position so even though I'm a lot happier with the midfield we don't really have proper like for like cover it is sort of Adam Forshaw for both positions is is your best bet Mm. right now yeah I would agree Okay, let's move on to think about the attacking unit. So within this, we've got Brendan Aronson, Sinistera, Jack Harrison, uh, Crescencio, Somerville, Rodrigo, Nyonto, Patrick Bamford, Joe Gelhart, and Matthias Click. 
Uh, Adam, tell me about the line of three behind the striker. Um, I think it's clear that Aronson, Sinistera and Harrison will become the, the three uh, probably go-to starters there. But what do you make of the depth well, yeah, uh, I'll, behind I'll those three? Well, yeah, I would include a few other players, actually, that you, you haven't actually got on the list there on transfer marks. So I would include Perkins, possibly, mm-hmm. if he could break through the season. And I would also include Gelhart. I, I did it. Uh, Gelhart was there. Wait, Oh, was he? Did you mention yeah. him? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh, that passed me yeah. by. Yeah, okay, that's fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, now we've we've kind of got quite a few options there that could play a few different roles within the, the system. So you've got in Perkins, Nonto and Gelhart, three options that can probably play at least three of the different attacking roles, even if it's up front or if it's in the sort of secondary line. Um so yeah, if, if Nyonto and Perkins, if at least one of those can step up, then I'm pretty happy in that in that area. Um, it's just about whether they can make the step up. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful at least one of them can, and if both can, then we're definitely well stocked in mm. that area. And the main thing is we've lost one of the players that was breaking our attacks often, and I think that that's definitely good. And I quite like the the general dynamic that we might have going forward of the three you just mentioned, Aronson. Uh, Sinistera and, and Harrison so yeah it, it does look quite promising even though we've lost someone as good as Rafinha and I would like to see Gelhart used in, in one of these roles at some mm-hmm. stage and I was pretty pleased to see last week that Jesse March mentioned it in his press conference um, he talked about the, the possibility of Bamford and Gelhart playing together and how Gelhart's best work is actually coming like from a deep position to attack the box and, and I thought that was really interesting because that's how I would like to see him as well. Because he, he mentioned that he can play on the last line, but he's almost better on the secondary line. Like you know, like we said, the three behind the striker. So off the right or just behind Bamford, I'd like to see him, him do a little bit more of that. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy, to be honest. It's just that I think that a lot of people are concerned because basically all of our secondary players are, are really young. You've got Somerville, you've got Nonto, Perkins, Galhart, um who else am I missing here? Yeah, that's probably it. So yeah, the, the, and then Click, as you mentioned, can probably play a couple of those positions too. So it, it isn't the most experienced, but it's quite exciting. And if at least a couple of these really take a step forward this season, then you're looking at a really, really promising attacking mm. line for next season in particular. Hobbsy, what are we missing out of that front three in terms of like attributes? I know this, there's a thing you've said quite a few times and I just wanted to pick it, unpick it a little bit. Um, well, I think that there's... Runs in behind, I think, is is a bit of an issue. Yep. Um, I think Aronson is someone that I think will go in behind. Um, but I think a lot of them want it into feet. Um, and I think that's not great when it's um, getting congested. Everyone wants it into feet and there's just no one manipulating um, the opposition defence. Um and yeah, then you're basically relying on whether or not we've got Bamford running running behind. Mm. Um, sorry, I, if I feel like you were wanting me to say something very specific that uh, I no, didn't have queued up. No, no, it's fine. So, so something that you said a few times, and I, I wondered if you would come to it naturally, was that you feel that um, that we don't necessarily have players in that front unit who will manipulate the ball in tight spaces or who are very oh, technical. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Um, what I would say is I think Sinistera is that guy. Yep. Um, I think Harrison has shown he's capable of it in um, in certain things. I think he's become a lot better at dribbling in, in the tighter uh, spaces. Um, but he still prefers to be out wide and he, a lot of his chance creation 
this season has come from even if he's had to sort of beat some players in order to do it his chances have come from like whipping the ball across across the goal um and yeah I, I think that Somerville we know kind of wants to dribble where he's got a bit of space to stand up a man and and go at them yeah I I think that this system does require like for me, not so much maybe the manipulate the ball in type spe- tight spaces because I think that a few of these players can do that. But what I wonder more is are they good enough at the quick combinations, sure. the one and two touch yeah. passing, yeah. where you have to really quickly play something in order to break through uh, a compacted line. Um, that's where I think we're seeing that um, fall apart. And that is hard to do. Um, but yeah the way that we're trying to play it's like ping it into the striker who needs to do a one touch layoff to the 10 and then someone else has to run behind and and that just it all has to click yeah and if it doesn't then it just you just lose the ball on the Mm. you just lose the ball on the edge of their box regularly yep for sure and we are seeing a lot of that um so far this season and Hobbsy, we, we we are still short of um of a of a striker so tell us what we miss when we don't have a decent pat back up in this system well we end up with no one on their last line um who is pushing their defense back and who is able to receive back back to goal without having to like drop off um, because I, I think in the uh, Brentford game just gone, you will have noticed, I thought Gelhart's, um link play was actually okay. Um, certainly it was a lot better than it was in the Barnsley game uh, where I thought he, he really struggled. But a lot of the link play that he did was actually him dropping off quite a bit from, from their defence. Whereas what I think we need to happen is that link play high up so that, it's almost like happening behind their midfield line. Um, so the ball's coming to our striker, who's able to then take it down, play it off to the 10, who's immediately like in front of their defence, and then we can do something from there. Uh, and Bamford is the only player, I think, in our squad who's capable of that. I think that um, Matteo Joseph is, a, is another player of that ilk, but I don't think I would say he's anywhere at the level right now. Um, Gelhart and Rodrigo are both players who would prefer to go wandering a bit more. Um, and the other thing that Pat does, as well as that aspect of centre-forward players, he's really good at running in behind. Uh, and uh, and I don't know if those other two want to run in behind as much. Um, Nyonto, we will see. Um, but it, to me, he looks like another one that wants to come and get it to his feet, turn and run with the ball from what I, from what I've seen. And we don't even know yet how soon he's going to be considered like part of the match day squad. Yeah. I, I just largely agree with what Hobbsy said about Bamford. I think that it's been pretty evident in recent games that he's come on, that even if he hasn't necessarily scored, our attacks just looked more functional as soon as he's hit the pitch. You know, he makes those runs. He's really clever, but he also has that sort of, 
both presence and mobility to pin centre-backs back and really give them a hard time. Um, we talk a lot about, in this system, uh, Marsh wanting his strikers to pin the centre-backs and have them backpedalling the other way. Um, and no one else really does it in the way that Bamford does. So, yeah, it's definitely an issue. And I do think that with hindsight, actually learning out Tyler Roberts might have been a mistake because he's probably the closest profile to Bamford in the squad mm-hmm. still. And now what are you saying? The next best is probably Mateo Joseph, but he's in the 21s. So it's probably Rodrigo. And he doesn't really do that, as we, we know he doesn't um, from what we've seen so far. So, yeah, I do, I do think that's a slight concern. Actually, that's a lie. I think it's a major concern if Bamford is injured. Um, And I do think that striker and left-back are the two positions that we are light in and we do have have a big hole in uh, at the moment. So I am concerned and I hope that Bamford can stay fit. I think uh, us having a decent to good season is contingent on how many games he can stay fit for, even if he's not scoring with regularity. He just gives us more of a focal point. We make more more chances when he's on the pitch and we always have. Absolutely. I mean, like we know he missed the big chance against Brentford but ultimately I don't believe anybody else in the team gets on that in the first place exactly yeah yep, I agree his movement is elite isn't it his movement in the box is, is genuinely really good even if he misses chances we talked about this in the group chat recently but his his movement in and around the area just keeps defenders busy at all yeah, times for sure for sure okay just before we wrap up we'll uh, just reflect a little bit on the contractual situation at Leeds so we've got three players who've uh, got one year left on their contract as we speak Um so that's Luke Ayling, who's got one year, uh, Joel Robles, who's got one year, and Adam Forshaw, who's got one year, but with an option for a for a second year. Um, and then the rest of the players I'm about to mention are two years out from the end of their contract. So that's Liam Cooper, Mateus Click, Rodrigo, Stuart Dallas, Diego Urente, Robin Cock, Pascal Strauch, uh, Jack Harrison, and Cody Drame. And one of the things I noticed is that a lot of the players who are kind of coming towards the end of the contract are around 30 and above 30 so that that's that makes some sort of sense and then we've got some younger players cock strauk harrison and drama who are um who are uh, a couple of years out so um who do you see as the priority players among that group adam it's mainly the three the four sorry that you just mentioned at the end there um but primarily it's cock strauk and harrison i really don't want to lose Strauch probably the most in particular, then Harrison probably mm-hmm. second. And like Hobbsy alluded to earlier, there's a worry with Strauch that if he doesn't get enough game time this season in his proper position that he could look to move on. So if I was to tie down anyone to contracts today, it would be Strauch, Harrison, then Cock, then probably Drame if he fancies it. But I think with him, it's kind of a case of if he gets enough game time this season, he might want to stick around. But if Ailing and Christensen are both ahead of him now for the foreseeable, even Dallas, if he somehow comes back and, and is quite you know, strong, then he's going to look at not very much game time. He's probably going to want to move on next summer. But the rest of them, without being awful, I'd either look to sell in their final year or or move on when they're out of contract, probably, apart from maybe Forshaw, who I probably would extend by one year just to give us another option in midfield just for one more season. But everyone else, I'm not as fussed by, like Liam Cooper, I would happily see let him see out his contract here, but that I wouldn't really extend it beyond this point and, and I don't want to upset people who are listening but it's just at the same time you've got to think about the ages of most of these and as Darren mentioned a lot of them are sort of 29 to 32 I think everyone yeah, on that yeah. list so you don't want to be you don't want to be giving them contracts especially the injury prone ones um, because 
it's just it's, they're already declining at this point a lot of them so you, you just have to be really careful of that and with players like Llorente and Rodrigo even though Llorente, uh, Rodrigo sorry, has shown some signs of improvement at the start of the season some um, if he's got a year left on his deal next summer I just don't see the point in keeping him when he's 32 Hobbsy, what do you make of this? Some of these, some of these players have been fantastic servants to the club, uh, and I guess it's a question of asking how we've got to not be um, sentimental about this, right? It's about asking realistically, asking the question about yeah. what they can continue to offer, right? Yeah, I mean, I'd be very sad about all of Ailing, Forshaw, Cooper, Click, Dallas moving on, um, but it has, it does have to come soon. Um, did we say Cooper has one or two? Two. two. Yeah, I think I would let that go, uh, see where he's at at the end of this season. Um, they they would maybe give him a year or something if they felt that he was um, still an important person to have around. Ailing feels like someone that I just want to be around forever. I agree. Because, mm. Just because of who he is, I think. Yeah. I think for me, he, like we know Cooper's been the captain, but I would say that Ailing feels as much like the captain uh, as as Cooper has has been. I think maybe because Cooper's <laughs> had a lot of injuries over over the years, so Ailing has captained the team so many times. But he stands out for you know the way that he played um, in that promotion season post Forest away, where he fronted up and then just played like a man possessed uh, for that time. Mm. Uh, and then in the first season back in the Premier League, he was just amazing. Um, but even on Saturday when he got his beautiful new nose, yeah, he showed exactly. that he's still got things to offer. Exactly, and that's that's why I think um, I I don't think they will push him out out the door. I think I think that Drame has to take some pretty big steps forward to be considered um, ahead of him, even if we think that he might be the future. I think that Ailing is still capable of a, of a lot more than him at the moment and maybe more than Christensen although we've I think we can assert the fact that Christensen's not had a great start to the season Ailing didn't have a great season last season but we know that he's capable of much more and what he showed on uh, the weekend was much more so there is still potential that he he keeps himself around for another season as well did mm. that contract would have to be done pretty reasonably soon wouldn't it you would think yeah i i think that um it's like the situation with alioski um he obviously moved at the end of that season um but it sounds like they kept negotiating with him all along um so I think we would probably be able to do a similar thing with Ailing if we wanted to, even though, you know, he left. But I think if we wanted to get Ailing to stay at the end of the season, we probably could. Yeah, fair. Okay, um, that feels like a pretty comprehensive look um, at the state of play in, in Leeds United's squad. So, yeah, feeling much healthier. Um, and Can I ask a quick question of you both? Please do. Um, what would you rate our window now out of 10? Um, based off everything we just said, ignoring the contracts, just the ins and outs in the window. Uh, I remember you tweeting about this on deadline mm-hmm. day, and I thought we were getting Dieng <laughs> at this time, <laughs> and I tweeted it was seven out of ten with Dieng, um, because I didn't love him as a player, but I at least felt that he felt filled that striker 
spot since we don't have that striker spot filled and the left back not filled even though I really like a decent amount of our business yeah. and I haven't really talked about Sinistera a lot who I think is is brilliant yeah. and I love mm-hmm. um I feel like I've got to give it like six to six point five which maybe yeah. feels harsh but I just you can't have two glaring glaring um holes in the squad like that which leave us potentially open to the season like unraveling mm. so i mean i that's not to say that that will happen but you're taking that risk so i can't give it much higher than that which is a shame because halfway through the window i was thinking hey we might be on for like an eight out an eight or nine out of ten kind of situation mm. here uh, yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a six for me, uh, and it's exactly the same reasons that that. And I think we've said on this podcast before: only having one professional left back at the club is not what a serious football club does. Um, and it's a huge, huge ga- gap. And I and I agree that if Patrick Bamford has another season like he did last season, we're going to come up against all the same issues that we did last year. And I would have expected and hoped that the board and the football um, side of the club would be able to mitigate against that risk. And they've they've either chosen not to or have prioritised using the funds elsewhere. Um, so for all that I agree that we've done some really significant and valuable work on the squad and I think it is in a much better place, the window totally could definitely have been better. What you just said, um, it does feel to me like a stopgap at a striker and at left-back would have been totally fine. Um, I don't understand the, that why we haven't got a warm body in either of those positions or both of those positions. And I do agree, I think it's about a 6, 6.5 out of 10 and I mean, it had the potential really to go to that 8-plus sort of region, but we didn't in the end. And that is a real shame because it is just two positions that are really holding us back from for being sure. higher. For sure. Okay, good work. Thanks, guys. We'll be back um, on the, the Patreon feed with our um, under-21s, 23s, aren't we, podcast towards the uh, end of the month. But until then, everybody, enjoy uh, the week ahead and um, we will speak to you soon. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. With the McDonald's app, you can get your favorite thing delivered to your door. So if you were looking for a reason to skip washing those dishes you left in the sink, consider this a sign. Right now, get $0 delivery fee with any purchase of $15 or more, only in the app. At participating McDonald's, minimum purchase excludes tax and service fees. Delivery prices may be higher than in restaurants. Other fees may apply. Not valid with any other offer, discount, or coupon.